What is up, everybody? It is JT Sports. I am back to you guys with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. And man, I'm not even going to lie to you guys. This is the most excited I have been to record an episode in a very long time. The football guys have blessed us with one of the best weekends of college football in a very long time. There are so many good games that are going to be played this weekend. As a matter of fact, normally I only preview and give my predictions for four matchups, but this weekend, there's just so many great games that I have to record another episode breaking down some more games because there are just so many exciting matchups that are going to be played this Saturday that I just couldn't ignore them. So you guys are going to have another episode coming out shortly of me breaking down four more matchups. But on this episode, I'm going to be talking about Arkansas taking on Georgia, Cincinnati taking on Notre Dame. We have Ole Miss and Alabama. We know that's always a really exciting game. And we have a Pac-12 matchup with Arizona State traveling on the road to take on the UCLA Bruins. Now, if this is your first time tuning in to the JT Sports Podcast, welcome. Make sure that you go ahead and follow me on my social media pages. My Instagram and Twitter is both at JT Sports underscore. Once again, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at JT Sports underscore. And if you haven't already, make sure that you are subscribed to my YouTube channel, which is JT Sports. Now, the first game that we have to talk about, the game that I am the most excited for, we have the number eighth ranked Arkansas Razorbacks taking on number two ranked Georgia. Both of these two teams are going into this game with a record of 4-0. And Georgia is a 18 and a half point favorite. Now, this game is going to be played on ESPN with a 12 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. And a lot of Georgia fans and a lot of Arkansas fans are upset with the kickoff time because a lot of people, myself included, feel like this game should get a prime time slot. I feel like this game should personally be played at 8 p.m. Eastern time. It should be on ABC. It should be in prime time because this is a really exciting matchup. You have Arkansas who is having a storybook season led by head coach Sam Pittman and he somehow has brought Arkansas football back to relevance and I don't know for all of you guys who are watching this for some of my younger viewers out there who may be my age I'm 19 years old a lot of my younger watchers out there may not know this but Arkansas actually is one of the best programs historically in college football history they have a lot of wins this is one of the better football programs in college football and yet they kind of have had a lot of down years but then Sam Pittman comes and he just brings Brings this Arkansas Razorback football program up from the ashes. And they're having a Cinderella season. And I have somehow became a temporary Arkansas fan. Not just because, you know, Miami sucks. But I love rooting for the underdog. Okay? And Arkansas fans, you guys have showed a lot of support to the channel. A lot of love to me, and I appreciate that, man. I didn't even know Arkansas had this big of a fan base, but this is definitely 
a game that I would describe as a David versus Goliath matchup because you have Georgia and Georgia in many people's eyes is the best team in America right now. Now, some people will say Alabama, but some people will say Georgia. And we saw what Georgia did to Vanderbilt. And I know it's Vanderbilt football, but the fact they were able to score over 30 points in just the first quarter alone, that's downright scary. Now, Kirby Smart is 11-6 versus top 10 teams. So he's pretty successful when it comes to these big-time games. Meanwhile, you have Arkansas right now that has a lot of momentum. You got a big win against Texas a couple of weeks ago. Then you got a big win over Texas A&M last week. So Arkansas is riding into this game with a lot of confidence and a lot of momentum. And I guarantee you that Arkansas is going to come into this game prepared. They're going to be ready. They're not going to be afraid to take chances. They're not going to be afraid to, you know... Put caution to the wind because this is an Arkansas football program right now that feels like they can beat any team in America and rightfully so because I don't think there's a hotter team in college football right now than Arkansas and you can say well they beat Texas A&M or they beat Texas but this is Georgia and I understand that but if you're a Georgia fan I don't think you can just look at this matchup and scuff at it. Because one thing about this Arkansas football team, man, under Sam Pittman, not only are they good, but they fight. And they fight to the very end. This is a scrappy football team. This is a very well-coached football team. You have a really good offensive coordinator. You have a really good defensive coordinator. Sam Pittman has assembled a really good coaching staff down there in Arkansas. And on top of that, Sam Pittman was on Georgia's staff and he came out and gave a lot of praise to Kirby Smart. He said if it wasn't for Kirby Smart, he never would be the head coach of Arkansas. So when you look at Arkansas, this team has a lot of experience. Remember, this is a team that returns 19 out of 22 starters from last year. On top of that, they returned their whole entire starting offensive line from the previous season and they returned every single player but one on the defense so this is a very experienced group a very talented group and my biggest my biggest thing that I'm so excited about in this game is going to be Arkansas's offensive line versus the defensive line of Georgia now everybody's so fascinated with the wide receivers and how great the quarterback play is and rightfully so but me I'm kind of an old-fashioned football fan I love to see the battle that's being played in the trenches and I don't think we're going to find a better matchup inside the trenches this weekend than what this Arkansas versus Georgia game is going to have. Arkansas has the best offensive line in the SEC this year. Yes, they have a better offensive line than Georgia. And yes, I'm saying that they have a better offensive line than Alabama. And when you look at Arkansas, they're going to be going against the best defensive line, not only in the SEC, but in college football. There are a lot of guys playing on this Georgia defensive line who are going to be playing on Sundays, who most likely could end up being first round selections and next year's NFL draft and the next NFL drafts to come in the following years so you're getting a really exciting battle in the trenches and what I want to see 
is how successful is Arkansas going to be when it comes to running the football? Because Arkansas has a pretty balanced attack. They can beat you through the air because they have a really great cast of wide receivers, but they also can do a lot of damage in the run game. They have like three, four, five what 20 running backs on this roster who they rotate in who they can gas you with and I'm you know just being a little bit over dramatic with the 20 running backs but you guys get the point they have so many running backs on this team who they can rotate in and give them a lot of production and you also got to take into account what quarterback KJ Jefferson is able to do not only is he pretty good throwing the football but he's also pretty good running the football as well and a lot of people have compared KJ Jefferson the Cam Newton and I definitely understand the comparison because this guy is big he's physical he when you think of a quarterback you don't really think of a quarterback who you can run in between the tackles that much you normally think of a quarterback who's going to run the football getting out to the edge but KJ Jefferson is just this big powerful dual threat QB and I'm really intrigued in seeing how does Kirby Smart and this Georgia coaching staff and this Georgia defense how they're going to game plan and prep for KJ KJ Jefferson because essentially KJ Jefferson up to this point is the most talented QB that Georgia has faced up to this point in the season. I know they faced DJ Uyungle week one, but he's not KJ Jefferson. He he can run, don't get me wrong, but he's not the runner that KJ Jefferson is when he has the football. So I really want to see how his dual threat ability is going to impact this game because even if Arkansas's off the line struggles in this game you still have to take into account that you're not going to have a sitting duck back there at quarterback you're going to have a guy who when things break down he's going to be able to pick up yardage and a lot of yardage and on top of that he's going to be able to extend plays to give his wide receivers extra time to get open so if you're a Georgia fan you're not facing a quarterback that's just a strictly pocket passer like this guy is an elite athlete and if he gets in open field then you better watch out because he's going to cause a lot of damage now the Georgia pass defense is really suffocating this year they are they're like a boa constrictor they're just squeezing the opposing teams they play and they don't really have any room to throw the football against this Georgia secondary this Georgia secondary is probably the best that you will find in college football they're second in college football and passing yards per game allowed with 115 and they're allowing a whopping 4.6 yards per pass attempt do you guys know how impressive that is I don't care who you played in this day and age of college football with the no-huddle offense and the spread offenses, when you have a lot of teams lining up four or five wide, the majority of times they snap the football, that's very impressive that you're allowing less than six passing yards per attempt. That's impressive. I don't care who you play. You got to give a lot of kudos to Georgia for that. And that's also because not only do they have a good secondary, but they also have a really good front seven that can get after you. So... For Arkansas, how effective is this rushing attack going to be against Georgia's run defense? Now, Georgia's run defense over the last couple of years has always been really good. Now, I was looking at statistics. The statistics don't really reflect how good Georgia is against the run. Georgia not only has one of the best pass defenses, but they have one of the best run defenses in the nation as well. I don't give a damn about what the stats say. Like this defense for Georgia is one of the best defenses that I've seen in a very long time. So 
when you look at Arkansas, Arkansas also has a pretty good defense. Now, their defense isn't as good as Georgia's defense, but it's pretty doggone good in their own right, led by defensive coordinator Barry Odom. Now, Georgia is going to be tested because the last time we saw Georgia match up against a really good defense was week one against Clemson, and we all saw how that game went. Okay, so for Georgia, how much has the offense improved from the last time you played Clemson up to this point? Now, you've been racking it up on Vanderbilt and a bunch of these other schools, but you haven't really played a school like Arkansas yet. So I'm not discrediting what they did against Clemson. I'm not doing that, okay? All I'm saying is Arkansas is not Vanderbilt. Arkansas has a really good defense, a really good defensive coordinator. You, They have a really good safety who's probably going to end up being a second round, late first round pick whenever he declares for the draft. You have a pretty good defensive line. Like this, Arkansas defense has a lot of talent. But this is where my concern lies with Arkansas. Because I definitely feel like Arkansas has the talent to pull off the upset against Georgia. But where a lot of people's question lies with Arkansas is, does Arkansas have the depth up front? Because Georgia, not only do they have a lot of great players who are starters up front, but they also have a lot of guys who they can rotate in if they have to keep guys fresh. Now, Arkansas does have depth, but they don't have Georgia depth. Get what I'm saying? I'm not saying that Arkansas doesn't have any depth. I'm saying Does Arkansas have the depth that Georgia has? When the big guys get tired and they get gassed, are you going to have guys who you can rotate in and keep fresh? That's the question. Because Georgia is probably going to be the best team that Arkansas plays up front all year, including Alabama. So if you're Arkansas, are you going to be able to rotate your big guys in and keep those guys fresh when this game gets into the fourth quarter? Because if you're an Arkansas fan... You have a lot of confidence that this game is going to be competitive. You have a lot of confidence that this game could come down to one possession. Well, if this game is going to get down to the fourth quarter, you're going to have to make sure that you have depth to make sure that your guys can go all out in the fourth quarter because it doesn't matter if you're able to hang around to the fourth quarter if your guys end up going in there with 25% of the game left and those guys are all on E. They're all on empty and they're out of gas. So if you're Arkansas, are you going to be able to not only make sure that you can stay in this game until the fourth quarter, but are you going to have enough depth to make sure that you can keep guys fresh when we finally get into the final stretch of this game? Because I feel like Arkansas is good enough to keep this game competitive. I just don't know if they have the depth that when guys finally get down to the fourth quarter, we're down in the last six minutes. Are guys going to have their hands on their hips? Are guys going to be running out of breath that's where my question lies with Arkansas because we know Georgia has that depth and I'm not saying Arkansas does have that depth but does Arkansas have the talent of depth that Georgia has that's where my concern lies with this game now for Georgia on the last time they faced a great defense you faced Clemson and It wasn't really all that impressive, okay? The run game couldn't really get going. Nothing really couldn't get going. So when I look at Georgia, you look at Arkansas's corners. Arkansas's corners, they're not bad, 
But, you know, I definitely feel like that's a matchup that Georgia could exploit in that game. But the thing is, Arkansas has a really good pass rush. And you got to also take into account that Arkansas normally is rolling with three defensive linemen. So if they're rushing three, that means that you have a lot of field that you could beat them underneath. So when I look at Arkansas and I look at their scheme, I'm going to see what offensive coordinator Todd Monken for Georgia has cooked up going against Barry Odom. I think that's going to be a very... um essential matchup that a lot of people probably aren't going to talk about but you look at Tom Monken who's calling the plays for Georgia you look at what he's going to be doing against Arkansas defense according to Barry Odom I think that's going to be a very intriguing chess match because when you look at Arkansas okay I think that they have some vulnerabilities in their defense that you can beat them underneath I think Arkansas is a team that isn't going to allow you to beat them over the top but you definitely can do some damage underneath and we kind of saw Texas have a little bit of success with that so if you're able to give JT Daniels enough time he's going to destroy Arkansas underneath so I'm really intrigued in seeing how the Georgia approaches to attacking this Arkansas defense and also are you going to have success running the football against Arkansas because Arkansas's run defense was really good against Texas A&M I know Isaiah Spiller had a pretty good day stats wise but if you take out that big run that he had Texas A&M he really only had like 20 something rushing yards outside of that big run that he was able to break off so you're looking at an Arkansas defense that is really good against the run but I do feel like this defense does have some vulnerabilities in their scheme that you could definitely take up a lot of yards underneath so for me personally I think for Arkansas to win this game, you have to make sure that you don't turn the football over and you got to make sure that you're disciplined and Arkansas has done a pretty good job at that to this point. But when you're facing a team like Georgia, your margin for error is incredibly small. Like, I don't really think that Arkansas can afford to have one turnover and still expect to win this game. If they're going to win this game, they're going to have to win the turnover margin. And on top of that, I think that they're going to have to make sure that they never find themselves down more than 10 points in this game. Because I feel like if Arkansas gets down by multiple possessions at any point in this game, then I think the momentum drastically tilts. On top of that, you also got to look at the factor that they're going to be on the road in Athens, Georgia, which is going to be a hostile road environment. So if they get down early, that crowd is going to be rolling. So for Arkansas, I really think that it's really important that they're able to keep this at minimum at a 10-point game. And if you go into the fourth quarter only down 10, I think that's somewhat of a win for Arkansas because then you still put yourself in position to still have a really good shot at winning this game. So I look at K.J. Jefferson. Now, K.J. Jefferson was kind of banged up in last week's win versus um, Texas A&M. So I wonder if he's going to be a full strength. Are we going to see a KJ Jefferson that is at 100% or is he going to be at 85, 90%? Because if Arkansas is going to win this game, they're going to need all of KJ Jefferson and then some if they're going to be able to pull off this upset. So for me, huh, I mean, like I really want Arkansas to win this game, man. But I'm going to have to take Georgia. 
And you know, like I really like Arkansas a lot, man. Like I'm I'm rooting for Arkansas. I'm like an Arkansas fan this year, man. Like I want to see Arkansas win this game so bad, man. But every time a school like a Minnesota ends up facing a big boy, they always kind of let me down, man. And I know Arkansas is capable of winning this game, but I'm gonna have to side with Georgia because at the end of the day, man, when we get down to the fourth quarter. And ankles get weak, and you know, the breathing gets heavy. I don't really know if Arkansas is going to have that depth that is going to be needed when you're facing a school like Georgia that has a lot of guys who are really talented. I know Arkansas starters are talented, that's not what I'm saying. All I'm saying is, are your backups? Is your death just as talented as your starters? That's the question. I don't really know. So I'm going to have to take Georgia. I think this game is going to be close. I think this is a game that Arkansas could take Georgia into the fourth quarter. But I think we get down to the final stretch. We get down to the last eight minutes. And that's where I think Arkansas kind of runs out of gas. And that's where I think we see Georgia start to take over this game. So I'm rolling with Georgia to get the victory. 24 to 20 is going to be my final score prediction in this game. I'm rolling with Georgia, but I'm rooting for Arkansas to pull off the upset. We have number seventh ranked Cincinnati currently ranked seventh in all of college football. 3-0 facing Notre Dame, who is currently ranked ninth. In the AP Top 25 poll, and they're undefeated. Now, Cincinnati is a two-point favorite going into this game. This game is going to be played on NBC with a 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time kickoff. Now, this is it. If you are a Cincinnati fan, or you're somebody who's rooting for a G5 school to get into the college football playoffs, this is the game that you have had circled on the calendar before the season began. This is going to be the ultimate test for Cincinnati in terms of trying to figure out if this team is capable of being able to hang with some of the blue bloods of college football. And yes, I do consider Notre Dame to be a blue blood. Okay, now I know they haven't had a lot of success against the Clemsons, the Ohio State's, and the Bamas of the world, but this has been a team that has consistently been in that conversation in the playoffs consistently, you know, a good amount of years. So you look at this Notre Dame team, this Notre Dame team some way, somehow has still played at a very high level, even though they have a pretty good amount of inefficiencies. The first big inefficiency that they have is on their offensive line. Their offensive line has struggled this year, and it's no surprise because they lost a lot of guys who were really talented last year to the NFL, and they've kind of struggled this year. I'm not even going to say kind of struggled. Like, they struggled mightily this year. Um, Last week, they gave up like six sacks to Wisconsin. Now, the good thing is that you're not facing a front seven like Wisconsin this week. You're facing Cincinnati. The strength of their team is in the secondary. Up front, Cincinnati really isn't all that great when it comes to getting consistent pressure on the QB. So when you look at Notre Dame and you look at this offensive line, this offensive line had a lot of hell last week when it came to not only giving Jack Cohen time to sit back and throw the football, but they also had troubles in the run game because did you know that Notre Dame only had three rushing yards versus Wisconsin last week? 
I'm not making that up. Notre Dame had three rushing yards versus Wisconsin. I can't remember the last time Notre Dame got beat down like that up front. But yes, people, they only had three rushing yards. So can Notre Dame get the rain game back on track? Because you have Kyron Williams, who is one of the better backs in the country. Can you get him going in this game? Now, the Notre Dame passing game, in my opinion, has been pretty impressive. Now, I know a lot of people were critiquing Jack Cohen because he was missing a lot of guys. But he was facing a really good defense in Wisconsin. But this offense, when it comes to the passing game, has been pretty solid, especially when you look at the situation that their offensive line is in right now. I like the receivers. That's one thing that Notre Dame hasn't really had over the last couple of years. I think that this is probably the best receiving court I've seen Notre Dame have in some time. You have a lot of guys in this wide receiving room who can make a lot of big plays downfield. So if Notre Dame's offensive line is able to give Jack Cohen some time to throw the football, he can do some damage. Now, Cincinnati has a really good secondary. They have an All-American at corner. You also have some other good players out on this defense but for Cincinnati I really want to see if this pass rush is going to be able to take advantage of a pretty not so good and inconsistent offensive line in Notre Dame offensive line in Notre Dame that's still trying to figure out you know their identity for real we still don't really know what this Notre Dame offensive line is we know it's bad but we don't know if this offensive line is better when it comes to pass protection than it is in run protection we were never really know for real so I think for Notre Dame, if you're Brian Kelly, you definitely have to try to find a way to make things easier on the offensive line. So if you're Tommy Reese, I think you're probably going to want to try to, you know, maybe see if you can get some screen passes going early, try to get the ball out quick and then have the Cincinnati defense playing up. So then you can try to take some shots downfield. But for Notre Dame offensively, you definitely have to get that run game going because I really don't think that this is a game when Notre Dame can be one-dimensional and try to beat Cincinnati airing the football a lot because Cincinnati, one of their biggest vulnerabilities on defense is the fact that they're not all that great against the run. Their pass defense is phenomenal, but there's a huge... Um, drop off when it comes to their pass defense to their run defense. Now, their run defense isn't awful, but you know, it's definitely something that Notre Dame could exploit if the offensive line is able to play up to, you know, being solid and plays better than what they have so far this year. So, when you look at this Notre Dame offense, if they're going to win this game, they definitely aren't going to be able to do it just airing the football out. They're definitely going to have to have a balanced attack, and they're definitely going to have to have Kyron Williams in that run game going in this game. Now, when you look at Cincinnati, on the other hand, their offense hasn't really looked all that great. The last time I saw Cincinnati play, they played against Indiana. Now, although they won that game, it was a really sloppy performance from the offense. And one thing that I noticed about Cincinnati's offense is that they kind of start out really slow. They look really inefficient. Desmond Ritter included. A lot of people consider him to be one of the best QBs in college football. He needs to play like a superstar in this game. Last year, he looked like a superstar. So far this season, I haven't really seen it. He looked okay against Indiana, but I didn't really see this Desmond Ritter that a lot of people have been gassing up before the season began. I've yet to see Desmond Ritter, the superstar yet. And he's going to need to play like a superstar because he's facing his former defensive coordinator in Marcus Freeman. Another intriguing storyline to keep up with. 
Marcus Freeman formerly was the defensive coordinator for Cincinnati. Cincinnati had a great defense over the last couple of years under Marcus Freeman. He's now the defensive coordinator for Notre Dame. And Notre Dame's defense has turned the corner over the last couple of weeks. This defense has looked really good. Now, although their defense had their best performance last week against a pretty poor Wisconsin offense, this defense has turned the corner. This looks like a better defense now than what it was when we initially started the season. Marcus Freeman runs a pretty aggressive defense. This is a defense that's very physical. They're very fast and they're aggressive. And also on top of that, how is Marcus Freeman going to game plan against his former team? Because I think that he probably knows Cincinnati's tendencies a little bit better than anybody else. So when you look at Marcus Freeman, how prepared is he going to be against Desmond Ritter? And how is Cincinnati's offense going to adjust to what Marcus Freeman is throwing at him? So it kind of goes co-hand because for Cincinnati offensively, you kind of know what to expect from Marcus Freeman's defense. And if you're Marcus Freeman, you kind of know what you kind of know what to expect from Desmond Ritter and his Cincinnati offense. So which side is going to be able to switch things up? It's like going into a boxing match and you both know what your opponent likes to do. So what are going to be some new wrinkles that you're going to throw in to kind of catch each other off guard? Are you going to throw an uppercut out of nowhere? Or are you going to do a spinning back fist? Something to really take note of. Now, Jack Cohen, the starting quarterback for Notre Dame, had like a little injury scare during the Wisconsin matchup where he had his backup coming and his backup played pretty well. Um, Brian Kelly pretty much has said that Jack Cohen's injury isn't nothing serious and a lot of people expect him to play in this game so that's a pretty big sign of relief because I feel like Jack Cohen has played pretty well so far for Notre Dame although he has had some inaccuracy issues at time he's thrown nine touchdowns to two interceptions and has thrown for Nadra 86 passing yards so I've been really impressed with how Jack Cohen has played this year and he's had some pretty big moments like that game against Toledo I believe it was when his thumb got dislocated popped out of place he went on the sideline and popped it back in and threw the game winning touchdown while Jack Corn has had some moments but when you look at Notre Dame this is a team that although they're ranked in the top 10 they have a lot of vulnerabilities and same thing for Cincinnati. You know, I'm not really sold on their offensive tackles. I think their off the tackles are something that could be exploited in this game. And on top of that, when you look at their defense, I don't really know how good they're going to be against the run in this game. Because I definitely feel like Tommy Reese, the offensive coordinator for Notre Dame, is going to have a commitment towards running the football in this game. And if you're Cincinnati, okay, you can't afford to come out and have a slow start like how you did against Murray State or how you did against Indiana. Because one thing about Notre Dame is that Notre Dame takes care of the football. So if you're Cincinnati, you can't afford to come out sloppy. Indiana was your first test. Now this is the big shebang. You're going against one of the elites of college football. We're just going to see what this Cincinnati team is made of. They're a two and a half point. They're a two point favorite in this game for a reason. And I'm going to roll with Cincinnati to get the victory. Now, I know it seems like I've been picking against um, against Notre Dame every single week. But I just feel like Notre Dame has a lot of vulnerabilities that I thought that Wisconsin would be able to take advantage of. But Wisconsin's offense wasn't up to the task. I think with Desmond Ritter, and you look at how good of a quarterback he is, I think he could end up making some game-defining plays, which puts Cincinnati over the top. And I know Marcus Freeman is the defensive coordinator for Notre Dame. He's going to know his former team. But I also feel like at the same time, you look at Cincinnati, this is a really talented 
talented team also who is also really well coached. And you got to remember, they didn't even play their best football against Indiana. They were still able to win this game. Well, they were still able to win that game. When you look at Notre Dame, they're still trying to find their identity offensively. Notre Dame has kind of been winning games other ways, you know, rather that be special teams and on defense. But I really feel like in this game, they're going to need an all-around great performance. Same thing for Cincinnati. And I'm going to have to roll with Cincinnati because you look at Notre Dame, you look at the issues that they have up front of their offensive line. I don't really think they could give up six sacks to Cincinnati and expect to win this game. Special teams and defense bailed them out last week, but in this game, you're going to have to have some offense, and the special teams and defense has outplayed the offense so far, and I think that's going to be the reason why I'm going to have to roll with Cincinnati to pull off the win. Give me Cincinnati 27 to 17 is going to be my final score prediction in this game, Cincy. We have Ole Miss currently ranked 12th in the nation, 3-0, taking on Alabama, who currently is ranked as the best team in college football at number one, who is 4-0. Alabama enters this game as a 14-and-a-half-point favorite. This game is going to be played on CBS, 3.30 p.m. Eastern time. Now, I'm really excited for this game because normally every time Ole Miss plays Alabama, the games normally are pretty exciting. In Alabama, if you're a Bama fan, you have a lot of cold sweats running down every time you play Ole Miss because this is a team that has had Alabama's number a pretty good amount of times. And you look at Lane Kiffin. One thing about Lane Kiffin is his offense is going to score some points. I don't care how good Alabama's defense is. I understand that Alabama has one of the best defenses in college football, but we know that Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss are going to put some points up on Alabama's defense. Alabama is not unbeatable. Alabama, a couple of weeks ago against Florida, the game looked like it was going to be a blowout. And then Florida was able to crawl their way back in. And then Alabama started showing signs of being human. Alabama started showing blood. You know, what happened to Alabama in that game against Florida was, you know, Alabama was getting, you know, everything they wanted to in the first quarter. But then in the second half, you know, Florida came out. And they brought that knife out and they made some cuts in Alabama. And Alabama started showing blood. And even though Alabama won that game, Florida was the better team physically. I've never seen a team push around Alabama in a very long time the way Florida did. Florida had a lot of success running the football. And Alabama's run defense is a weakness that Florida exploited. And Ole Miss definitely could do the same thing. Now, when you think of Lane Kiffin, you think of somebody who likes to have explosive offense and throwing the football all over the field. And although Ole Miss does have the seven best passing attack in the nation, and they do have one of the best quarterbacks in college football and Matt Corral, one thing that I'm pretty sure a lot of people may not know is that Ole Miss also is really good when it comes to running the football. Did you know that Ole Miss currently right now has a top 10 rushing attack? They're sixth in college football and rushing yards per game. I didn't even know that my damn self. So for Ole Miss, this is a really scary offense. Statistically, this is the best offense in the country. They're number one in yards per game. They're number one in points per game. So for Ole Miss, the question is, can they outscore Alabama can they keep up with Alabama offensively that's not the question the question is can Ole Miss defense get some stops in this game because we know that Alabama's offense is going to roll but we don't know if Ole Miss defense is going to be able to get any stops so for Alabama 
even if Ole Miss is able to put up a lot of points on the board, at least if you're an Alabama fan, you have the assurance of knowing that Alabama is at least capable of getting at least four or three stops. Ole Miss, if you're a Rebels fan, you don't know. For all we know, Alabama's offense could score at every single possession against Ole Miss. And Ole Miss is more than capable of doing the same, but there's going to come a time when Alabama's defense is going to get a couple of stops here and there. But if you're an Ole Miss fan, one thing that you definitely have to be really encouraged about is that your defense has been really good on third down. You have the seventh best third down defense in college football right now. You allow the opposing team to convert on third down 26.92% of the time, which is really good. And if Ole Miss is going to win this game, they don't need the force Alabama to go three and out every single drive. What Ole Miss needs is they need some key stops. They just need two or three big stops in this game and that could possibly be the difference between them pulling off the upset in this game and they can do that three ways okay the first one would be taking a turnover route okay trying to force Bryce Young to make a mistake although Bryce Young has been pretty smart with the football he's only throwing one interception all year so either you try and force a mistake for some turnovers on Alabama's side or two you try to be good situationally you could have the approach of having a bend but don't break defense. And that can go one of two ways. The first way is, okay, Alabama's driving down the field on you, but you don't allow Alabama to score touchdowns inside the red zone. You allow Alabama to only come away with field goals. Or you could find ways to get Alabama off the field on third down because your third down defense is really good this year, at least from what it looks like so far. So for Ole Miss, you're probably not going to, you know, force Alabama to go three and nine, stuff like that. But you definitely can force some key stops in this game, rather that be on turnovers or rather that be being good situationally. If you can get Alabama to third down and you can get them off the field, that's one way. If you can force Alabama to, you know, come away with field goals in the red zone instead of touchdowns, that works as well. Because if you're an old Miss fan, you're confident that your offense can score in Alabama. You just want to know is your defense going to be able to give you enough breaks to win the game. So I expect to see a lot of explosive plays in this game. We're probably going to see a lot of points scored. I wouldn't be surprised if we see both of these two teams combined for well over 100 points total. There's going to be a lot of offense. If you're a fan of defense, you probably want to try to find a another game because this isn't going to be the game for that if you're a fan of defense you probably want to watch Arkansas Georgia early on probably try to watch Wisconsin Michigan because you're probably not going to find a lot of defense in this game there's going to be a lot of points scored but if you're a fan of offense there's going to be a lot of points and there's going to be a lot of offense and there's going to be a lot of highlight real plays now Macarah has played really good so far. And I know a lot of people are going to be like, well, JT Ole Miss hasn't played nobody. I mean, Louisville is okay. I mean, Tulane looks to be one of the better G5 opponents. So although, you know, they haven't played, you know, like a great, great opponent, you know, they still have played some fairly solid football teams. I think Tulane is solid. I think Louisville for so far this year looks pretty solid as well. So I know a lot of Alabama fans are going to be like, Ole Miss has 
hasn't been tested. I mean, they kind of have. It's not like they're playing scrubs. They're playing some pretty solid programs. You look at Matt Corral, 997 pass yards, 9 touchdowns, 0 interceptions, 158 rushing yards, and 5 touchdowns on the ground. He's been really good. Bryce Young, I've been really impressed with how Bryce Young has performed this year. 1,127 pass yards, 15 touchdowns. I think he's like second currently in the nation in touchdown passes. He only has one interception. And he's completing over 70% of his passes. So he's really smart. He's really efficient. And he's really hard to bring down. I'm taking Alabama to win. Roll tide. I don't trust Ole Miss defense. I think if you're an Alabama fan, like, yeah, Ole Miss is probably going to scare you because they're going to score a lot of points. But when it comes down to it, if Ole Miss offense has to win this game and your defense is on the field, I trust Alabama's defense. I think that Alabama's defense is going to show up in the big moments, and that's what this game is going to come down to. Which opposing team's defense is going to be able to get the big stops in the big moments? Which defense is going to get the big stop with two minutes left that have before we go to halftime? Which defense is going to be able to get a big stop as we enter the fourth quarter of the football game? Which defense is going to force the opposing team to end up turning the football over? I probably side with Alabama. And I know Ole Miss has some talent on defense, but you look at Alabama's defense, you know, the fact that they can get pressure on the quarterback and they have a pretty good secondary, although they are vulnerable against the run, I feel like Nick Saban and this Alabama defense, they're still going to be able to get some more key stops than what Ole Miss is going to be able to do. And that's why I'm rolling with Alabama. I think Alabama's going to win this game 48-2. 38 is my final score prediction in this game. The last match that we have to talk about, we're going to be talking about some West Coast football, people. We're going to be talking about the Pac-12. We have Arizona State currently 3-1 going on the road to take on 20th ranked UCLA, who currently also is 3-1. UCLA is a three and a half point favorite heading into this game. This game is going to kick off 10.30 p.m. Eastern time on FS1. Now, I don't really talk about the Pac-12 that much because to be blunt with you, there's not really a lot of intriguing games that take place every single week in the Pac-12, but this is a game that I've had my eyes on before the season began because Arizona State is a really solid football team but one thing about Arizona State is that this is a team that's super talented but they're undisciplined like I used to play so when I played high school football right we had this really talented defensive back he played safety he played cornerback and this guy is one of the best defensive backs I've ever played with he was super fast super athletic he was great in coverage you could line him up all over the field but he was a really emotional player he wasn't disciplined at times he wasn't composed at times and he kind of had some mental breakdowns at times when it came to blowing coverages so when you look at Arizona State This is a team that has a lot of talent, but some moments, they're not all that great. You know, they kind of have issues with penalties. Um, They are like, what, one of the worst teams in college football when it comes to penalties. Like, they have some of the most penalties to any other team in the nation. They also rank 82nd in the nation in giveaways per game. So they kind of struggle with penalties, and they struggle with holding on to the football. And this is a very streaky team. 
Arizona State doesn't play all four four quarters. You know, sometimes they will sleepwalk through the first half and then wake up in the second half. And sometimes they'll play very well in the first half and then they'll sleepwalk their way through the second half. And that's what that's the big reason why they lost to BYU because this team, in my opinion, doesn't play a full four quarters, a full 60 minutes of football. This team is really streaky. They have stretches during the game when things go right and they have stretches during the game. You're like, damn, man, like, why is this team playing like this? This team is so much better than this. So when I look at Arizona State, like this is a talented football team led by head coach um, Herm Edwards, but there's also a team that struggles with being disciplined at times. Meanwhile, when you look at UCLA, this is a Chip Kelly coach team that is really physical. And I can't remember ever saying this, but there used to be a time when you thought about Chip Kelly at Oregon you thought about speed. It was all about getting out to the edges, getting players out open in space. You didn't really think of Chip Kelly as having a physical football team. And yet Chip Kelly has evolutionized. It's taken a while. It's taken longer than what UCLA fans wanted it to take. But Chip Kelly has evolutionized his offense. And I remember when Chip Kelly, his first couple of years at UCLA, everybody was like, what happened to this Chip Kelly offense that he had at Oregon? Why is he changing? Well, the change has been really good because now instead of trying to beat you off the edges and trying to beat you with speed, Chip Kelly is now beating teams with power. He has a really good offensive line. He has a really good physical group of running backs. You have Britton Brown, who has 263 rushing yards, two touchdowns, averaging 5.6 yards per attempt. And you have the Michigan transfer, Zach Charbonnet, who is having an incredible year right now. He's one of the best running backs in the Pac-12, 360 rush yards, averaging nearly set eight yards per carry at 7.8 yards per attempt and seven touchdowns. So you're looking at a very physical UCLA football team. And it's really weird saying that. I said this a couple of weeks when they defeated um, LSU. When you think about Chip Kelly, it's all about speed when you think of him. But now you look at his UCLA team, they're beating teams with power. Chip Kelly's basically saying, my five guys are better than the other five guys that you have lined up. And we're just going to overwhelm you physically. That's what Chip Kelly has done so far this year with UCLA. And you also have... Dorian Thompson Robinson. Now, how healthy is DTR? Because he played through a shoulder injury during UCLA's last week's win against Stanford. He had four total touchdowns, two through the air and two on the ground. I wonder just how healthy is he going to be in this game? Because you got to remember, DTR is a very big part of this UCLA offense, especially when you look at what he does on the ground. UCLA has one of the best rushing attacks in college football. They're averaging 200 rushing yards per game, 4.9 yards per carry, and they run the ball 62% of the time. So, The majority of their play calls are run plays. Now, Arizona State, their run defense is pretty solid. They allow 138 rush yards per game. They they are allowing less than four yards per attempt. And Arizona State also has a pretty good rushing attack. You know, they're 26 in the nation in rushing yards per game with 206, 5.5 yards per carry. They have a really good group of running backs with White, the freshman, Nagata. You also got to look at what Jaden Daniels does on the ground. But for me, I want to see which team is going to have more success in the passing game. Now, when you look at UCLA, you know they have some receivers. They're not, you know, paper thin at wide receiver. And they can beat you through the air 
in certain situations. Okay. Now, Dorian Thompson Robinson, something that I've said about him a lot is the fact that, you know, he's not all that great of a passer. He's improving, but I still don't really trust him all that much to win a game if he has to throw the football more than 30, 40 times. Meanwhile, you look at Arizona State. Jaden Daniels is a pretty good passer. He's smart the football. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. But the wide receivers for Arizona State this year have let him down a lot. They've been really inconsistent with creating separation, getting open. They struggle with drops. So Arizona State, this is a really talented football team. But sometimes, you know, they don't always play like it. Sometimes they play down to the competition. And sometimes, you know, they just get too streaky at times, which is why I'm going to take UCLA with the victory you know like I don't really know if Arizona State is going to be able to play a full game when they're playing at their full potential because Arizona Arizona State to me is a better football team than UCLA you get what I'm saying not take anything away from you know UCLA they're a really good team but I think Arizona State has more talent just the fact that you know I think UCLA is more better coach because you know they don't beat themselves like how Arizona State beats themselves so many penalties costly turnovers so this is a really big game because this game is really important when it comes to trying to figure out who's going to win the Pac-12 South and the winner of this game is going to kind of be in the the leader of that clubhouse for the Pac-12 South and end up playing in the Pac-12 championship this year. So I'm taking UCLA to get the victory. I think UCLA is going to win this game 34-27. It's my final score prediction in this game. I'm going with the Bruins. So you guys let me know who you guys have winning this game down in the comment section down below. And I appreciate you guys for tuning in to this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. I will be back shortly with some more week five college football preview and predictions later on this week.